Welcome to the Flint Citadels podcast of our Sunday morning worship service, a weekly production of the Salvation Army Flint Citadel Corps. Welcome this morning to our worship time together. It's good to have you all here. It's uh, uh, easing right into our Christmas holiday season. And uh, as we do that, of course, there's all kinds of Christmas stories. There's Christmas movies that come out on on a regular basis. And there's uh, Christmas stories that get told about, oh, I remember that Christmas when we did that. And this funny story about this other Christmas that we had. And when the tree did this and, and the lights didn't work just right. All these Christmas things come about. Uh, one of the things that often comes about is... Um, the story uh, of Jesus' birth as it's told, whether in a play form or in a movie form or uh, just the story of how it all came together and, and how we sort of idealize that, that birth time. But really, Christmas isn't really about our Savior's infancy time. It's, it's about his deity. The humble birth of Jesus Christ was never really intended to be any kind of a, a facade to conceal the reality that uh, was being born into the world at that time. And If you really think about it, it's probably impossible to truly fathom what it means for God to be born into a manger. That manger was a low place, dark, yucky, but he did it. And without forsaking his divine nature or diminishing his deity in any sense, he was born into our world as a tiny infant. But he was also fully and completely God. He was very wise and all-powerful. And how can both of these be true? That's a, that's a difficult question for us to answer. And the Bible clearly teaches that it is so. In some sense, Jesus voluntarily put on hold and suspended the full application of his divine attributes. He didn't give up being God, really, but he willingly set aside the independent use of the privileges and powers that were his as God. Well, this morning, as you know, we're going to be uh, recording our meeting for the purposes of sending it out to our missionaries. And this morning's missionaries are Captains uh, Jeff and Valerie Carr, who are in Spain, Lieutenant Colonels Brad and Heidi Bailey, who are in Chile, and Bob and Vicki Poth, who are in Haiti. To them, I send out this piece of scripture from Philippians 2, verses 5 to 11. This piece of scripture gives a very clear explanation of the, trans, of the transaction that uh, took place. It reads this way. You must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. Though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being. When he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on a cross. Therefore, God elevated him to the place of highest honor and gave him the name above all other names that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, 
and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Amen. Won't you pray with me this morning? Father, it's with a humble heart that we come this morning that we are here now to learn and to grow for you. We're here to listen to the music and sing the lyrics that would lift up your name in its holiest of majesty and and help us to open our hearts and our ears that we might hear the words that are spoken this morning, that we might walk that closer walk with you, that we might come to know Jesus Christ as Lord. Lord, we can feel your very presence with us here this morning. We thank you for that. We thank you for the gift of your holiest of gifts, your Son, Jesus Christ. Be with us now as we worship together. Amen. Well, we get to sing this morning, and as we sing together, uh, the band is going to accompany us with a small introduction at the front. The tune I think you'll recognize right away, uh, four verses right on through of Fairest Lord Jesus.
For nearly 2,000 years, debate has been raging about who Jesus really is. Cults and skeptics have offered various explanations. They'll say he is one of many gods, a created being, a prophet, and so on. The common thread of all such theories is that they make Jesus less than a god. But let the Bible speak for itself. John's Gospel begins with a clear statement that Jesus is God. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things came into being through Him, and apart from Him nothing came into being that has come into being. Who is the Word spoken of in these verses? Verse 14 removes any doubt. And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we saw his glory, glory as of the only begotten from the Father, full of grace and truth.
this is a time of year, Christmas, all the focus on the birth of the Savior in Christ, that um, we can feel far from blessed. We can get so caught up in all of this busyness. I mean, it's already the first Sunday in December. And, and we know that for the next three weeks, the world kind of holds its breath and pauses while we celebrate Christmas. Just, just imagine it, an event that happened over 2,000 years ago causes traffic jams today as people go out to, to celebrate and to prepare for the celebration of the birth of the Son of God. But, but you know, it's more than that. With the birth of Christ, God actually split history in two. So much so uh, that we have reset our calendars, using that as the reference point, the birth of Christ. And, and let me tell you, not everybody's happy about that. There are those who make it their life's mission to try to wipe out any reference of Christmas in the public square. But really, what is all the fuss about? What is so special about Christmas? What is it about this day that makes it the centerpiece, the fulcrum of history? To help answer that, please open your Bibles, if they aren't still there, to Philippians chapter 2. We've read from that already this morning. I think this chapter goes a long way toward answering that question to anybody who seriously inquires. Here in, in Philippians chapter 2, we have an amazing, succinct explanation of who Jesus Christ is and of what he came to do. You might even go so far as to say that this passage is the bedrock, the foundation of all we believe about Jesus Christ. So let's read Philippians 2, 5 through 11 once more. Have this attitude in yourselves, which was also in Christ Jesus, who, although he existed in the form of God, did not regard equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself, taking the form of a bondservant and being made in the likeness of men. Being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. For this reason also God highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name which is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus every knee will bow of those who are in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and that every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Make no mistake, according to Scripture, Jesus is God. Philippians 2.6 makes this crystal clear. That means that the, the story of Christmas is really the story of God invading the earth. There are some who would say that Jesus was a great, uh, a great man or perhaps a prophet. But you know, there's a problem with this view of Jesus. You see, Jesus never claimed to be either of those things. 
Instead, over and over, the Bible repeats and Jesus proclaims that he is God. Philippians 2 also teaches that Jesus' deity didn't start in that stable on Christmas morn. Because he existed even before creation. Colossians 1, 15 and 16 speaks clearly when it says, Now Christ is the visible expression of the invisible God. He existed before creation began, for it was through him that everything was made, whether spiritual or material, seen or unseen. Through him and for him also were created power and dominion, ownership and authority. In fact, every single thing was created through and for him. So what makes Christmas so special? Well, if you agree with Scripture that Jesus is God and that God came to earth, then Christmas is really the most relevant event in all of human history. That's the relevance of Christmas. But you know, God has a way of confounding human wisdom. I mean, if you were God and you were going to come to earth, of all the ways that you could um, choose to reveal yourself, would you come as a helpless baby? Would Would that even cross your mind? In the Amplified Bible, Philippians 2.7 is rendered this way. He stripped himself of all privileges and rightful dignity so as to assume the guise of a servant or slave and that he became like men and was born a human being. Why? Why would he lower himself? Well, he created man in his own image. And since God wanted to communicate with people, he became a person. He was born like us. He he grew like us. He was tempted like us. He suffered like us. He felt pain and disappointment. He got tired and fatigued. He felt lonely at times. He grieved. He cried. In short, he was human. But he was God as well. God who became a man. Jesus became what we are so that we can become like him. So the reality of Christmas is that Jesus Christ was a real man. Not a myth or a story. He was 100% God and 100% man. God in human form. That is the reality of Christmas. The second half of Philippians 2.8 says, He humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. You see, Jesus didn't stay in the manger, did he? He came with a purpose in mind. He came to die on a cross, to voluntarily lay down his life for you and for me. Sometimes I wonder why 
why he allowed himself to go to the cross. He, he could have prevented that. He could have, he could have um, at any time, had 10,000 angels come and, and rescue him. But the Bible gives us two reasons. Romans chapter 5, verse 8 tells us, God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. So he did it because he loves us. Jesus says in John 15, 13, Greater love has no one than this, that one lay down his life for his friends. Now, some of us might give our life for a close friend or a family member, but the Bible says that God gave his life for us even while we were, were rejecting him, even before we knew him, before we were even born. That's, that's a reason for Christmas, so that God might demonstrate his love for me and for you. But, you know, he didn't come to just uh, die a, a normal death, a normal human death like you and I will each experience. You see, um, we have a problem. We have a fatal disease that infects every one of us. It's called sin. Sin is the breaking of God's moral law. And when you break a law, there's a penalty to pay. And when you break God's laws, you pay God's penalties. The Bible says in Romans 6.23, the wages of sin is death. That's the bad news. That's the penalty. And we are all rightfully due to pay it. But that verse goes on to say, the gift of God is eternal life. That's the good news. Amen. In 1 Peter 2.24, the apostle says it this way, He personally carried our sins in his body on the cross so that we can be dead to sin and live for what is right. By his wounds you are healed. It's amazing, but, but what Jesus did 2,000 years ago can make a difference in your life today. You can be completely forgiven for everything you've ever done wrong. Completely forgiven. Jesus came to be the Savior of the world. And he came to be your Savior. That's the reason for Christmas. This Philippians chapter 2 passage even gives us a glimpse of the end of the story. In verses 9 through 11 it says, For this reason also God highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name which is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus every knee will bow of those who are in heaven and on the earth and under the earth, and that every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. You see, the, the cross, even the cross, is not the end of the Christmas story because Jesus is alive. Amen? And because Jesus humbled himself, God has done two things. Two things. First, he has given Jesus this babe in the manger the place of top honor 
in the universe. And second, we're told God has given him a new name. Now in his day, the name Jesus was a very common name like uh, John or Jim would be today. It was not an unusual name at all. So what is the name he was given as a result of going to the cross for us? It's right there in in Philippians 2.11. Lord, Jesus is Lord. Lord in the Greek means master, ruler, one in control, total sovereign, king. Jesus, in fact, is called Lord over 600 times in the New Testament. But you know, Lord was also a word used for the Roman emperor, Caesar. And um, in the early church, when Christians refused to call Caesar Lord and would only say, Jesus is Lord, they were thrown to the lions. They were made to fight gladiators or they were put to death in some other manner. Many of them lost their lives simply because of that one phrase, Jesus is Lord. So when we say Jesus is Lord, we acknowledge that he really is God. He is more than a man. He is more than a prophet. He is Lord. It's kind of a test of our commitment to him. It was for those early believers because they were to respond, Jesus is Lord, and that could mean death if they were responding to a Roman authority. When we call him Lord, we're saying that we believe that he has everything under control. Although things in your life and in this world may look bleak, Jesus is Lord. And I know he's got everything under control. Nothing, nothing escapes his care or concern because he is Lord. To say Jesus is Lord is to say, I don't know what the future holds, but I know who holds the future because Jesus is Lord. Finally, to say Jesus is Lord is really to commit all of my life to him. He has come to earth. He has died for me and rose again. Because he has done all of those things for me, he has the right to determine what is right in my life. He has the right to direct me. I'm seeking to live according to his plans. So don't use the word Lord lightly. Romans chapter 10 verse 9 tells us, If you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. So what does it mean to be a Christian? It means to say Jesus is my Lord. I acknowledge that he is God. I believe that he has everything, absolutely everything under control. And I commit everything I am and everything I have to him. Because Jesus is Lord. I tell you, that's a smart move. 
Because Philippians 2 also tells us that one day every knee will bow. Every tongue will confess those very words that Jesus is Lord. But you know, that's going to be on the day of judgment. Everyone throughout human history will kneel and acknowledge that truth. All the politicians will be there. And you know what they're going to say? They're going to say, Jesus is Lord. All of the rock stars and the movie stars are going to be there and they're going to kneel and they're going to say, Jesus is Lord. All the scientists, the professors, the businessmen, even the atheists will be there and they will say, Jesus is Lord. Everyone will admit it. So the the question isn't, will you admit that Jesus is Lord? But will you admit it now? In love and honor and respect and by faith? Or will you admit it later when you find out you have been wrong? Every knee will bow. Every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord. It may look now like the forces of evil are winning in this mixed up world we live in. But Jesus is Lord. You may think you can't cope anymore. There's too much pressure. But Jesus is Lord. You may think your problems in your marriage, in your family, or on your job, they're too great. You just you can't handle them anymore. But Jesus is Lord. Circumstances might pile up against you and people may oppose you. Everything in your life may fall apart, but Jesus is Lord. That's the result of Christmas. So when you're discouraged, remember, Jesus is Lord. When you're tired, you're worried, you're afraid, Jesus is Lord. Say it when you don't think you can go on. Say it when you're grieving the loss of a loved one. Jesus is Lord. Say it when you're lonely. And say it at Christmas. Make it the theme of your life. That's what it means to be a believer. If you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. Let's pray. Lord, we come to you this morning. I guess amazed at who you are and what you've done. Perhaps we are guilty, Lord, of thinking less of you than we ought, of of limiting you to that babe in the manger and a great teacher, someone after whom we might model our lives. And yet, Lord, if that's all we understand you to be, we have failed to make you Lord. I thank you that your, your word, the scriptures, won't allow us to get away with that view of who you are. You make it so clear that you are God, you are master, and that our proper approach to you is, is as approaching God himself. But I thank you as well, Lord, that in this time before you return, 
that you've extended your grace to us. That, Lord, though we are flawed individuals, though sin has marred that image that you've placed within us, that, um, that through your blood, through your sacrifice, through faith in what you've done on our behalf, we can be forgiven and you can be the Lord of our lives. God, I thank you for salvation. Help each of us to move on to holiness. Lord, this morning, I pray for the one here who perhaps is, is struggling with making you Lord of their lives. They like the security of knowing their sins are forgiven. They like the comfort that um, maybe coming to church gives them. And yet, Lord, they know in their heart that you're not Lord, that you're not calling the shots in their life. God, I pray this morning that we would repent of that attitude, of that approach to life, and that, God, we would boldly declare, Jesus is Lord, Jesus is my Lord. God, do a work in our lives today and make us witnesses for you this Christmas season. For we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. We're going to sing the chorus, He is Lord. Like I said, don't sing these words casually, carelessly. If he really isn't your Lord, I challenge you admonish you, encourage you to make him Lord. You don't have to go through some elaborate course. We don't have a course in lordship here. Um, it's really simple. It's a decision you make, and, um, and then you put your full faith and trust in him. And when you blow it, you admit it, and you say, Jesus, you are Lord, and I'm, I'm back on the path. But you have to make that start. And so this morning, if you haven't made him Lord, invite you to come and pray and to, to seek him 100%. Let's stand together as we sing. He is Lord. He is Lord. He is risen from the dead and he service we before the message saying bless me now bless me now heavenly father bless me now I want you to know that receiving God's blessing is is related 
to his lordship in our lives. If you feel like maybe God's not moving in your life, that things aren't happening the way you would hope, maybe, maybe the problem comes back to your surrender. Maybe you really haven't made him lord of your life. You want the benefits, but, but you don't want to uh, invest yourself fully in him. Just don't worry. Trust him. Trust him. Make him Lord today. Put him to the test and see that he doesn't bless you. Let's sing that again. He is Lord. He is Lord. He is risen from the dead. And he is Lord. Jesus Christ is Lord. He is my Lord. I trust that he is the Lord of each one of us here today. As we are busy thinking about giving gifts and getting gifts and doing all the busy things, let's keep in mind that the one thing we can share with everyone is the knowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord. There's a big world out there that needs to hear that message, maybe particularly at this time of year. Heavenly Father, bless us in our efforts as we share the good news of your unspeakable gift. Jesus Christ is Lord, and he can be everyone's Lord. Use us to bless and reach out to others. In your name we pray. Amen. Will you join in, O oh, come, let us adore him. times and weekly activities, visit us online at www.flintcitadel.org or call us at area code 810-232-2199. Thanks for listening.